0: Turn your Bible, Hebrews chapter 2, please. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, the second chapter. We studied this in Sunday school, and we studied again in this service under the theme, How Shall We Escape If We Neglect? How Shall We Escape If We Neglect? May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the Word of God in all of its simplicity, in its profundity, its power, its uh, ability to pierce the heart. We pray that today the Spirit of God would take everything that we've done, everything the Spirit of God has done in the songs, in the special music, in the worship, in the offering, in the testimony Brother Lonnie gave, and now in the Word of God, and to captivate our attention, we pray that someone without Christ will come to Jesus, and every believer will be encouraged. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 2, we do not know who wrote the book. Some believe Luke, some believe Barnabas. I have no problem with believing Paul wrote it but it has the indelible imprint of the Holy Spirit on every page. And so we're sure when we read the book, this book of Hebrews, we're reading God's word. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers' miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Notice the word picture in this first section. Therefore, well, to give the more earnest heed. The word heed means pay attention to. Lest at any time we should let them slip. That is, the things we've heard, we let them slip. The word picture is something floating or slipping by the harbor of safety. For example, a ship going into a harbor has a certain place to go, and there's no danger of the rocks. And so on. It can just go right there because it's been prepared. But if that ship passes that safe harbor and then tries to approach, it could be uh, injured and hurt and uh, and destroyed on the rocks. And that's the word picture here. He says, "We who are Christians. This is not a message to the unsaved, except in principle." And we'll come to that in a moment. But the prime picture and the prime message is to believers, those who are saved. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest attention to the things which we have heard, the word of God, the, the kind words of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God, for Christ's sake, will forgive every sinner who will come by faith to the cross and receive Jesus. Lest at any time we should let them slip, that is, let those words slip by, and thus our life be rock, be, be, uh, become a shipwreck on the rocks of the shore. And then he gives this word of admonition. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we, believers, Christians, God's people, how shall we escape if we neglect, so great salvation. I want to give a twofold application of this passage this morning. The word neglect means to ignore, to disregard, to fail to attend to, to leave undone. And the question posited by the Holy Spirit is, how shall we as believers escape? And it's almost as if, in parenthesis, is this phrase, the consequences. How shall we escape the consequences if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? There are lots of things we neglect in life. To neglect, sometimes we neglect our studies. We just go through a semester don't crack a book we come to the exam time how shall we escape the consequences of that neglect ending up with an f failing the course not because we're dumb not because the course is hard but because we neglected to study sometimes we neglect words of kindness We get all caught up in life, and we take things and people for granted. One of the greatest things we can do is to become an encourager. When someone means something to us, we ought to tell them. Give them the flowers while they can smell them. How foolish we are to go through life, and we neglect and neglect and neglect to say a word of kindness, to make a phone call, to go across the auditorium and say to somebody, you mean a lot to me. Thank you for your faithfulness. And then they're taken in death. And we go to the phone and call the flor- flor- florist shop and say, please send this $50 spray of flowers over there. I want them to know that I loved them and appreciated them. Now, the flowers are fine. But they can't see the flowers. I have no objection to flowers. Thank God for them but let's give them while they're alive let's express encouragement and words of kindness to people while they can hear them we do not know how but what someone sitting near you this morning or sitting across the auditorium or someone in your home is just hungry for some kind of encouragement some word of appreciation let's give it while we can How shall we escape the consequences if we neglect? If we neglect. Sometimes we neglect our health rules. The doctor tells us we need to do certain things and we just ignore it ignore it and go on and ignore those health rules. Sometimes we'll go to a doctor and the doctor will say, if you'd just come six months ago, We could do something for you, but it's too late now. not anything we can do. We've neglected. How shall we escape if we neglect? Sometimes we neglect the achievements and the accomplishments that we meant to do. We just never get them done. Someone wrote this poem. I know of a land where the streets are paved with things we meant to achieve walled with money we meant to have saved and the pleasures for which we grieve kind words unspoken promises broken many a coveted boom are gathered there in that land somewhere the land of pretty soon there uncut jewels of possible fame are lying about in the dust and many a noble and lofty aim are covered with mud and rust and oh this place while it seems so near is farther away than the moon though purpose is fair we'll not get there to the land of pretty soon. The road that leads to that mystic land is strewn with pitiful wrecks. The ships that sailed for its shining strand bear skeletons on their decks. It's further at noon than it was at dawn, and further at night than at noon. Oh, let us beware of that land down there, the land of pretty soon. Pretty soon I plan to do this, pretty soon. George Truitt used to say, to neglect is not reasonable. To neglect is not right. To neglect is not safe. And when you apply that to the things that are spiritual, that are important in our lives, how often we neglect to our own regret. But when you apply it to the human soul, you apply it to that thing that's going to live on beyond you, then it's Inestimable the terrible tragedy of the neglect, sometimes we have someone on our hearts we plan to speak to them about Christ, and we say, "Well, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'm busy today or I'll do it next week or I'll go next week or next month, and then we pick up the paper and read in the obituary that name, and our heart pierces us, and we said, "Oh. Oh, if I had just gone like I meant to do. The land of pretty soon. How shall we escape if we neglect? But deeper and more weighty is the neglect of a man who puts off his own salvation. And the principle that is involved in this passage not only applies to the believer. How shall we escape if we neglect So great salvation, neglected by failing to read the Bible, neglected by failing to go to church, neglected by failing to build around us a network of Christian friends who can encourage us, neglected by failure in prayer, neglected by failure in witnessing. How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation that has come to us at the great cost of the Son of God's life on the cross? His death, His resurrection, His powerful intercessory ministry today how shall we escape if we neglect that great salvation doubly true is it to those who are without christ how shall we escape if we neglect to trust christ the christ of that great salvation and i want to show you this morning three things about that number one the sign of neglect number two the sin of neglect and number three the seriousness of neglect First of all, the sign of neglect. Over in Ezekiel chapter 33. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will not require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, If he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. One of the signs of neglect is the impenitence of the heart and our failure to take the word of life to someone else, someone who is in need of the gospel. This scripture is saying, God has set us as watchmen to the house of Israel, the house of America, the house of Bowling Green, your house, my house. God has set us a watchman to that house. And if we see the sword approaching, if we hear the word, if we hear the message, and we know that God has a will and a plan, and it is his plan that none perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know that, and we fail to warn. Then the scripture says, that man will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require or inquire at thy soul, at thy life, at thy hands. Now, the the word used for here instead of require is inquire. It's akin to the word of inquest. When there's a death, sometimes there's an inquest. And God has an inquest to find out why we neglected to, to give the gospel to other people. Why do we neglect to do it? An application of that to our present situation as a church for 38 years. This church has been a lighthouse, thank God. We praise the Lord for the hundreds and hundreds of people who have been saved and who have gone through our work here, other places serving the Lord now. Thank God for the many who have been called by God to preach and to go as missionaries and are serving the Lord around the world. But listen, we stand at a crossroads today We cannot lean on yesterday's laurels and say, thank you, Lord, for the glorious past. The church can never sit down and look back except to receive challenge to move forward. And as we sit looking backward, we can find ourselves choking ourselves to death, patting ourselves on the back for all the things we used to do, and pretty soon we have no breath left. But what we need to do is look out to the future and say, look, look, behold, there is a need out there. Let's go on and on and on and serve the Lord and be what God wants us to be. That's the reason for the present campaign. That's the reason for the purchase of that property. That's the reason for the banquet next Monday night. That's the reason for canvassers coming to our homes to give every one of us the royal, loyal opportunity to say, yes, Yes, I want to commit a portion of what I have to buy a lot out there or a section or a plot or a whole lot of lots. I want to get involved because in the years ahead, leading on into the 21st century, I want the Glendale Baptist Church to have an impact on this city as a beckoning light to invite people to Christ. How shall we escape if we neglect to do it? The impenitence of our lives of failure here. Now, for those outside of Christ, our very excuses for failure to come to Christ are a sign of our neglect. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 14 for just a moment. And let's look at this. Luke chapter 14. In this wonderful chapter, verse 16, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them, We're bidden come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it, I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought a yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the lame and the maimed and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now listen, there comes a time when God takes your excuse seriously Our excuses are a sign of our neglect. How shall we escape if we neglect? You say, well, I'm not neglecting. Some people say, well, I'll tell you, I'd come to Christ, but I can't hold out. God never expected you to hold out. He never intended for you to hold out. He'll do the holding. If you try to come to Him and say, well, I'm going to come to you and I'll hold out true to the end, what you're saying is, Lord, I don't need you, I'll just hang on. And brother, you don't have the strength to hang on. He'll hang on to you, but you have to come. He'll never get hold of your hand until you come and say, here am I, Lord. Here's my hand. Hold me. Take me. But he'll hold you when you do come. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Others say, well, I would come, but I don't have the right feeling. All the feeling God requires is that you feel your need of him and your emptiness within yourself. A person that's filled with self cannot come to Christ. He won't come to Christ. He doesn't even want to come to Christ. He has no need to come to Christ. But when you get empty and you feel that emptiness and you feel that need, if you'll come and say, Lord, I give you my heart, it doesn't matter about the feeling then. He takes your words seriously as he looks into your heart. Others will say, well, I'm too young to come. People have been saved when they're very young, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Others say, well, I'm too old to come. I Thank God, some years ago, I saw a man, old man, wheeled down here in a wheelchair, came confessing Christ as his Savior, went up and followed the Lord in baptism. Another man, I think of Mr. Butts, in his 80s, came to Christ, trusting Christ as his Savior. And on and on we could go why have you not come? The excuses that we've offered, they're a sign of your neglect. They're simply saying, I would come, but... And there cannot be any ands, ifs, or buts when you come to Christ. You have to come just as you are. Well, I want to speak for a moment about the sin of this neglect. Listen, it's a serious thing to be bidden by the King of Heaven to come. He said, No, I pray thee, have me excused. I can't come. Can you imagine the Queen of England sending a special word to Philip Brent? Say, Philip, I heard what you've gone through recently. Your mother's home burned up, and then your mother was taken in death. And Philip, I want to I give you an expense-paid trip to London, and I want you to come to Buckingham Palace and be my guest, you and Mary, and come and be my guests at a, at a meal. Can you imagine Philip saying, Well, I can't come, Queen. I'm busy with other things. Phil, would you go? <laughs> I would, too. I've been invited by the king of heaven to a great banquet in heaven, and I'm on my way. When I realized that I'd been invited, and that invitation was personal, and a man reached out to me with a pointed finger around some woman's hat, and just landed on my heart, and God said, that's you. I said, Lord, I want you. I want you. Why should we neglect this great salvation, the serious, the the sin of the neglect when the king of heaven has invited us. And the scripture says in Hebrews, he that died under Moses' law died without any pity when he had trodden underfoot the commandments of God. How much more shall he be found worthy who hath trodden underfoot the blood of the holy covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ? You've been invited by Christ to come. You've been invited by God to come. He reaches out and says, All day long have I stretched out my hand to you. The sin of neglecting to come. That's the only sin that God will not pardon. There's no way he can do anything about it. You see, God has limited himself in that he does not lasso anybody and make you come to God. Nobody. There's nobody in this section, this section, this section. Anyone listening by radio, God is not going to send out a lasso like they do in the wild western movies and, and lasso you and pull you off your horse and say, come on, I got you. He did not going to do that. He just invites you. He says, come, come, come. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls. But come, come. And then think for a moment the seriousness of your neglect. In Proverbs 29:1, He that being often reproved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. God doesn't promise you to keep on inviting you He does not promise to keep on nugging at your heart Now this goes for saved people and the unsaved first of all the saved God never promises to keep on keeping on keeping on keeping on Nudging at your heart and saying I want you to be a Sunday school teacher or I want you to be a bus director or a bus pastor or I want you to be a, a soul winner or I want you to be a tither or I want you to serve the Lord, or I want you to preach, or I have a plan for your life. God never said, I'll keep on and on and on and on and on. God knocks at your door. Sometimes he does it through other people. Sometimes somebody will come up to you and say, well, I believe God has his hand on you. And you shun it off and you laugh at it and you say, ha ha ha, doesn't make any difference. God will not always take that just laying down. He will not continue to give you that same invitation over and over again. If there's coming a day when God will say, All right, I'll go get somebody else, I'll use someone else. And you'll spend the rest of your life in the shallows, never doing what God wanted you to do. have to take God's second best or third best or fourth best or fifth best why not because God's mad at you but God took you seriously comes a day when God takes you serious he just steps back and says all right same thing with lost people You're under the sound of my voice today and you've heard the tug of God at your heart. God's Holy Spirit has spoken to you and said, this is the day, this is an hour to come to Christ. And you said, no, some other time when I feel more like it or when I've finished doing what I'm doing, when I get some sins out of my life, I'll do it then. Now listen, you run the risk of God standing back and saying, okay. and you won't hear him anymore. This is called the sin, sending away the day of grace. I don't even like that doctrine, but it's in the Bible. I don't enjoy preaching it, but it's part of the Word of God. And it could well be that God's Holy Spirit, this wasn't in my notes at all, but God's Holy Spirit led me to say this. There may be someone who is right on the verge of sending away your day of grace, the day when God hovers over you and speaks to you and convicts you and draws you, and you say, no, no, no. And after a while, God takes you seriously. He just steps back and says, all right, all right. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there comes a day when God says, all right. I could give you Bible illustrations. In Genesis chapter 6, God loved the people. But we read in chapters 4 and 5, this man lived and died, lived and died, lived so many years and he died and that was all there was to it, and we come to an oasis in the desert and Enoch. Walked with God 365 years and he was not, God took him. As Dr. Gordon so beautifully says, they were walking together one day. God said, Enoch, you're closer to my home than your home. Come on home. But what about all those other men? They lived and died and lived and died. And finally the world got darker and darker and darker. And God said one day to a man named Noah, I've had it up to here. My patience is finished. It grieves me that I have recreated them. I'm going to destroy this creation. But Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. God said, "Noah,' you build a you build an ark. Everybody gets in the ark, will be saved from the terrible destruction, but if they're outside the ark, they won't be saved. A hundred and twenty years, Noah preached, and he whacked away in building that ark. People came by and laughed at him and called him an old fuddy-duddy, an old grandpa, an old-fashioned person, old fundamentalist, didn't know what he was talking about, had some kind of silly thing about God going to destroy the world. 120 years Noah put up with that. He kept on doing it. Finally, God said, all right, now the ark's finished. Come into the ark. You and all those that that have listened to you, eight people, eight people out of all that generation, And God shut the door. And when God shuts the door, nobody could open it. And it began to rain. And the fountains of the deep broke up. And the water came up. And that same water that destroyed the people buoyed up the ark. And everybody who was in that ark was safe. Everybody who was outside the ark was destroyed. They came and pounded on the ark. Noah, let us in. Noah, let us in. Maybe he would have, but he couldn't. God had shut the door so it will be one day with you, my friend, if you keep on neglecting, neglecting, neglecting. If you're in the ark, the ark is Christ. Everything's all right in the ark. In that ark, God has certain assignments for us to do. And if we do them, we're joyful. If we don't do them, we're miserable. Would you get in the ark today And then inside the ark, follow his will. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God and its power and its strength and its simplicity. We pray that someone outside of Christ will come to Christ today. May the Holy Spirit have his way in drawing men and women and boys and girls to Jesus and those who are already saved into the will of God. Pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, please. Page 312. Come, every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Would you let Him have His way with you? You know, I don't know what His way is for you. I'm not God, but God knows, and God is speaking to your heart right now, and He has already spoken to some of you. He has whispered in your heart what He wants you to do. Are you attuned to it? Are you listening? Are you listening? Will you do what God says to do? If you're not saved, come to Christ. Come now. Don't put it off any longer. Come today. If you've been saved but have not followed the Lord in baptism, come today and do what God tells you to do. If you're a Christian... I want to ask you, are you serving where God wants you to serve? There's some here today that ought to move their membership to this church, become part of this fellowship. You live here, you ought to do what God wants. There's some Christians here who need to walk down the aisle today and say, I want to surrender. I want to put up the flag of truce. I want to do what God wants. I've neglected it long enough. While we wait, will you do what God says to do. God help you to do it. While we sing and pray, will you come?